that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. This is the first Monday show we've done in two weeks. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit this week. Nothing for me. Right, last week, I had the whole moving experience moving different houses. I have a whole newfound respect for people who move across countries because, man, we lived in that house for two years. It looked like we lived there for pretty much our entire lives. It it was a pain moving all of our crap just down the street, let alone moving all the way to, like, Washington State or something like that. Like, it, I have a newfound respect for that. And right now, just sitting in my basement, I woke up about an hour ago, Typed a little script up for today's show, or typed a little bullet points for today's show, and we've got a good one planned for you today. So, as the start of the show, we're going to go over the scores from around the world right now. The Bundesliga played this weekend, as long as well as the KBO. So, we'll go over scores of that. We also look at the leagues across Europe for the leagues for soccer, and look at when they're coming back, preview the rest of the league, or review the rest of the league, whatever you want to do, predict who's going to win the leagues. Can certain teams challenge, and what could it take for other teams to make a comeback? Not necessarily in this year, but in the years coming up, years in the future. Can other teams challenge these teams? There's a couple leagues where teams are looking unstoppable. Like in the Premier League right now, if Liverpool gets their way, they are going to be, oh, jeez, I don't even want to think about what Liverpool is going to do. That stuff, Teams need to step up against Liverpool. We, haven't, we cannot let Liverpool win a league well they're gonna win the league this year but we can't let them win multiple leagues they haven't won a league title in 30 years they've never won a premier league we cannot let them win multiple premier leagues please don't do this so we'll do all that we'll look at certain teams around the world all of that stuff should be very very fun we got some nfl stuff to talk about as well oh surprising logan has got nfl stuff to talk about or just football in general no way we got antonio brown stuff to catch up on george kittle is expecting a very, very, very big contract. His agent said he's expected to make a George Kittle-sized contract. He's going outside the realm of highest-paid tight end and is looking to be one of the best-paid players in the league, regardless of position. And speaking of positions that need, or not necessarily need, but positions that have a high contract value, I guess, quarterback. We'll get Dak Prescott and his quarterback bat or his contract battle. With the Dallas Cowboys, we'll also look at quarterbacks. If he does leave, that could possibly replace him. We got the top three, past three rookie quarterbacks drafted, number one overall. Who will have the most wins this year? If we have time, we will get to a quarterback bracket, a backup quarterback bracket. We've done a starting quarterback bracket. Let's get to a backup one. And speaking of backup quarterbacks, there was a guy that we did not know would be a starter that has been named or is pretty much a lock, according to some sources, to become a starter in the league week one is that good for his career and how well will the team do with this new quarterback starting for them with that being said let's just dive straight in to what our first talking point is and that is of course the kbo the kbo the korean baseball i uh what does the o stand for does it have a does it have a abbreviation does it stand for any korea baseball or oh yeah, I should have gotten that. I don't know why I didn't think of Korean baseball organization. But we had games all weekend. So let's go over some of the games. On Saturday, 
We had the LG Twins, who were one of the hottest teams in the league, actually lose to the Kia Tigers 10-6 on Saturday morning. KT lost to Kiwum 14-3. SK beat Hanwon 9-3. Samsung beat the NC Dinos 9-1. And Doosan, the Bears get a 5-4 win over low. Let's look at that LG versus Kia game. LG tried to come back late. They were down 7-0 going into the top of the six. Got two runs on the top of the six. Then Kia comes back and gets three runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. Then LG starts a little comeback. One run in the eighth, and they got three runs in the ninth. But it just wasn't enough. Kia had 14 hits to LG six in the game. Just an overall really good performance for the Kia Tigers. Late runs scored more than usual. Usually we'll see... Some sort of run scored in the early innings, but not in the first run until the sixth or the fifth inning for the Kia Tigers. In this game for the Kia Tigers, Yumin Sang had three hits and two RBIs in this game. Parshan Ho had one hit but had three RBIs in the game, leading the Kia Tigers in RBIs. Lee Min Woo had eight strikeouts in seven innings pitched in the game for the Tigers. Looking at the LG stats right now. Lee Sung-woo had three RBIs in the game off one hit. Just not a great game batting for the LG Twins. Only one other player for the Twins got an RBI in this game. Che Hyun Sun had one RBI in the game off of one hit. Just not a just not a great game. Im Cheng-Q had two strikeouts, eight hits, two earned runs, and four walks given up in four and one-thirds innings pitched. Kim Yoon Sik came in, gave up five hits, two strikeouts, and three earned runs in two innings pitched in relief after Yojan Wook gave up one hit in one earned run in two-thirds innings pitched. The LG Twins dropped to 15-7 and seven on the season after that loss on Saturday. Keeping it on Saturday, let's look at the NC Dinos, who were, are still technically, well, no, not technically, they are, Still the best team in the league, but they've been struggling as of late with the hot run by the Twins up until that game. The NC Dinos have been playing kind of shaky, getting a 9-1 loss to the Samsung Lions. Samsung, 9 runs and 12 hits in the game. NC only had 4 hits in the entire game. Aaron Altier, the former Philadelphia Phillies outfielder, got 1 RBI in the game for the NC Dinos. Just not a great game. For the Dinos, Kang Jin Sung had a hit. No Jin Hyuk had a hit. Yang Yu Ji had a hit. And Lee Sang Ho also had a hit. Other than that, that was it. Four hits for the NC Dinos. Four hits. For Samsung, they had a much better showing out there, obviously. As we said, 12 to, 12 to 4, winning the hit margin for the Samsung Lions. You look at. Kang Min Ho had two RBIs in the game. Park Shang Do had two hits in the game, or two RBIs in the game. Tyler Saladino had three RBIs, went three of four in the game for the Samsung Lions. David Bachman gave up two, three hits, also had three strikeouts in seven innings pitched for the Samsung Lions. As far as the NC Dinos go, Mike Wright, six innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. In total, Combined with all the pitchers, they had they gave up more walks in this game than they had strikeouts. They gave up six walks, struck out five batters. That's not really a recipe for winning for the NC Dinos. They want to correct that coming up. And they did that the next day, obliterating Samsung 
18-7. to This day was a very high-scoring affair. You had 18-7 NC over at Samsung. KT beat Kiwon 12-8. LG beat Kia 13-5. Three games in the double digits for one team. And then Lote beat Doosan 8-3. And SK beat Hanwha 6-4. And that 18-7 demolition by NC, they scored six runs in the ninth. We have a lot of late runs in these games. Got a lot of runs early and a lot of runs very late. Samsung, or not Samsung, NC had only two innings where they did not score at least one run. Got one run in the first, two in the second, none in the third, two in the fourth, three in the fifth, zero in the sixth, one in the seventh, three in the eighth, and six in the ninth. (laughs) But overall, great performance from NC Dinos. 21 hits in the game. A completely different, just an all-around different game for the NC Dinos in this game against Samsung as opposed to Saturday's game. Four hits in the game, one run. This game, they had 21 hits and 18 runs in the game. It was an overall dominating performance. Quang Hee-dung had five hits and six at-bats with four RBIs. Aaron Altier had four RBIs with three hits in the game. Kim Tae-gun had four RBIs off of three hits in the game. And Park Min-woo, the leadoff hitter for the NC Dinos, two hits, two RBIs, and three at-bats for the Dinos. Pitching-wise, Ku Kang... Ku Chang Mo, six strikeouts and six innings pitched for him. He had six strikeouts by himself. They had five strikeouts as a team the game before. So just an overall could just completely flipped the script on the Samsung Lions in this game as opposed to Saturday. Tyler Saladino had two RBIs off two hits in this game. Kim Dong Yub had two RBIs off one hit in this game. Just a just a much improved performance from the NC Dinos. And according to ESPN, they are their number one team in the league, followed by the LG Twins. And though they lost their last game, a 13-5 win over Kia, is a very good way to just crush that. We're not losing multiple games. We are we're the second best team in the league right now. We are currently the hottest team in the league. Let's just keep it going. And in this game, a 13-5 win over the Kia Tigers. Oji Juan had two RBIs in this game off of two hits. Park Young Tyuk had one at bat, one hit, run, run, and two RBIs. That's called efficiency right there. That's efficient. Che Yun Seung had three hits and two RBIs in the game for the LG Twins. A lot of other players also put up RBIs in this game. Pitching-wise, Tyler Wilson gave up 10 hits, four earned runs, three strikeouts in six innings pitched. Just a great game for the LG Twins offensively. 20 hits in the game for the LG Twins. 13 runs scored. Just a great game all around for the LG Twins. On the other side of the diamond, the Kia Tigers. In this game, Hyun Seung Tiek, three RBIs off of two hits in the game. Preston Tucker got an RBI in this game as well. And Park Shang Ho, the leadoff hitter, got one hit and one RBI in this game. Drew Gagnon. Had gave up six strikeouts, or wait, I said that wrong. He gave up five, seven hits, five earned runs, walked one batter, and struck out six. And four innings pitched. Just a great day hitting it, it for the LG Twins. For the Doosan Bears, though, they out hit Lote in this game 11 to 8, but lost 8 to 3. They didn't take advantage of the hits they got. They went to extra innings in this game, tied at three. 
in the 11th inning, the top of the 11th inning, Lote smacks home five runs to get the dub over the Doosan Bears. Doosan Bears were down 3-2 or 3-1 to one going into the bottom of the 8th inning. Got two runs scored there to take it to extra innings because nobody, nobody scored in the ninth inning. And then a five-run demolition in the 11th inning for Lote to get the win there. And she hung, had two RBIs in this game. Lee Dae-ho had two RBIs as well. Leadoff hitter Min Byung-hun had three walks in this game. You just want your leadoff hitter to get on base, and he did exactly that. Three at-bats, three walks, one run scored. Nice little stuff there. Dan Straley, former Chicago Cubs pitcher, five strikeouts in the game, seven hits, one earned run, one walk in five innings pitched for the Lote. What is their name? Lote Giants. I did not know that until just now. Park Kyung Woo had three hits, three RBIs for the Doosan Bears. He's the only one that got any RBIs in this game. No one else did anything for the LG, for the Doosan Bears. Park Kyun Woo, three RBIs in the game. Again, the only person that hit any RBIs in this game. Chris Flexen was not flexing very hard in this game. Five innings pitched, three hits, zero earned runs, but five walks with only two strikeouts. The Doosan Bears gave up ten walks in this game. Ten. Ten walks. That's insane. Parshi Guck gave up three walks as well to go along with Chris Slexen's five. And then Kwon Hyuk gave up a walk and Lee Byung Bum gave up a walk there as well. Just a, just a, the Doosan Bears, they're going to want that game back, obviously. You're down, you're tied 3-3 three to three going into the 11th and you just implode losing 8-3, to three, giving up five runs at the top of the 11th. Your offense just can't rebound from that. Going into tomorrow, we got SK versus NC. Kiwoon versus Hanwa, Lot versus Kia, Samsung versus LG, and Doosan versus KT. All those games will be at 4.30 tomorrow morning. Looking at Wednesday's action, Kiwoon versus Hanwa, Samsung versus LG, Lot versus Kia, SK versus NC, and Doosan playing KT. Again, all those games will be at 4.30 in the morning as well. So either A, set your alarms, or B, just stay up all night, eat ice cream, drink Red Bulls, and just watch some Korean baseball. It's what we want to see. It's what we like to see. So right now, the NC Dinos currently sit atop the league with with a record, if this would load, a record of 18-5 and five right now. Just got a nice little win over Samsung, as we talked about. The LG Twins currently sit second at 16-7, and seven, and the Doosan Bears currently sit third with a 14-9 and nine record. So that's your top three teams in the league for the KBO. Excited for more KBO action as we move forward. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff there. And now, going to a different sport. Keeping in the topic of sports. So we got some action from the KBO. Now let's get some talk, some action from the Bundesliga. The German Bundesliga had some great games this weekend, if I do say so myself. Going back to this weekend, Friday... May 29th, Bayer Leverkusen beat Freiburg 1-0 in this game. Not a very surprising result there. Maybe that just didn't get more. Kai Havertz unsurprisingly scored the winning goal for Bayer Leverkusen, their best player by far. He'll be making a big money move this summer to where, I don't know, Leon Bailey, the Jamaican international, got the assist in the game 
for Kai Havertz, who's been playing more of a striker role, more naturally a central midfielder or attacking midfielder, number 10 or number 8, whichever one you prefer, but he's been playing as a center forward for Bayer Leverkusen and hasn't really let it slow him down. Getting a goal in that game was also named player of the match according to whoscored.com. We look at other games moving on to Saturday. Werder Bremen beat Schalke 1-0. Werder Bremen really needed that victory. They've been struggling this year a lot. It's been a very bad year for Werder Bremen. Two United States men's men's national team internationals playing in this game. Weston McKinney for Schalke. Josh Sargent for Werder Bremen. Both getting the start in this game. Both also getting subbed off in the game as well. Sad stuff there. Other games going on. Eintracht Frankfurt beat Wolfsburg 2-1. Hertha Berlin beat Augsburg 2-0. Hoffenheim beat Mainz 1-0. And then the most dominating performance of Saturday's day games, Bayern Munich beating Fortuna Dusseldorf 5-0. Just an overall dominant performance. Robert Lewandowski got two goals in this game. Benjamin Pavard had himself a great game as well. Forced the own goal by Zanka for Fortuna Dusseldorf. And got a goal himself as well. Sadly, he didn't credit credit for the first goal, but he did end up getting a goal for himself later in the match. Alfonso Davies, the Canadian international, sealed the deal with the fifth goal of the game in the 52nd minute of the game. Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, and Joshua Kimmich all registered assists in this game. Very just dominating performance from Bayern Munich. 5-0. Alfredo Morales, another U.S. international did not do very good in this game. Had a 5.7 rating according to who scored one of the lowest for the Fortuna Dusseldorf team. Third lowest on the team. Blind Zanka, who had a 5.0. And Stogar, who had a 5.5. Man, just not... It's, I mean, you kind of expected it. Bayern Munich are currently the hottest team in the world right now. They're just going to destroy teams that are on the level of Fortuna Dusseldorf. No offense to Fortuna Dusseldorf, their players, and their fans, whatever. But it's just how it works. Bayern Munich is just on a different planet, different stratosphere to a lot of the teams in the Bundesliga, especially the likes of Fortuna Dusseldorf. Moving on to Sunday, two dominant performance from two of the top teams in the league. Bayern Munich sitting first in the league. Then in second, we have Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Mönchengladbach sits third. The latter both got dominating wins over Union Berlin and Paderborn, but again, Union Berlin currently sits 14th in the league on 31 points, and Paderborn sits dead last with 19 points. That's a minus 29 goal differential, which is the second, which is joint most in the league. And they do have the sole possession of the lowest, the most goals given up, and the most amount of losses in the season. It's just been a tough year for Paderborn. So let's talk about that one with the win over, with the loss rather against Borussia Dortmund. Jane Sancho, the English international guy, his first career hat trick in the game for Borussia Dortmund. Three goals for him. Got a yellow card as well for taking off his jersey. That's just what just what happens, which is a very stupid yellow card to get. Torgon Hazard got a goal and the assist as well, substituting for Erling Holland, who got injured in the last game against Bayern Munich. He did not play in this game, so Hazard got the start at striker. Goal and an assist for him. Julian Brandt. Got an assist in the game as well. Hakimi got a goal. And we have Schmelzer, Marcel Schmelzer, getting a goal and an assist into the game. Just an overall dominating performance from Borussia Dortmund. For Paderborn, we had Hunmeyer getting a penalty in the game. The center back scored the lone goal for 
Paderborn, you know, just overall dominating performance. And it's not very surprising how this result played out. I mean, it's just a very, very good team. Very, very good Bruce Dortmund team. And they just let their class show in that game. And they just killed them. Now, for Bruce Mönchengladbach, a little lower score, but still a domination nonetheless. 4-1 to one victory over Union Berlin. Thuram got a goal in the game for Bruce Mönchengladbach. Play had two assists and a goal in the game as well. And then Newhouse got a goal as well from deep line central midfield. We had Herman and Benzabi. I don't even know how to say his name. Both registering assists in the game along with Plea getting two assists in the game as well. For Union Berlin, Anderson got the lone goal from the striking position. Getting assist from Ingvardsen who was playing on the right wing. Yeah, just two dominating performances for two of the top three German teams in the country. You know, kind of what you expect. So right now, as we look at the standings, Bayern Munich sit on top of the league, just cruising right now. They're just on cruise control right now. 67 points for the reigning league champions. looking like they're going to be heading towards another league championship this year. 86 gold scores sit atop the league. Also, have only allowed 28, which sits also on top of the league. Borussia Dortmund sits second with 60. Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen both sit third and fourth, tied with 56 points, but Mönchengladbach has a better goal differential with a plus 22. RB Leipzig, 51, 55 points this season with a plus 41 goal differential. 29 goals allowed, sits second right behind Bayern Munich. And then Wolfsburg sits sixth with 42 points. At the bottom of the Bundesliga, Paderborn, they look destined for the drop. 19 points, haven't won a game in forever. They've only won four on the season, which is a league low. They've lost 18, which is a league high. They are just look destined for the drop. For Werder Bremen, currently sit on 25 points. But in their last three games, they've won two and drawn once. So maybe their fortunes are starting to turn around. And maybe for Fortuna Dusseldorf, see what we did there? Fortunes for Werder Bremen, fortunes for Fortuna Dusseldorf. Maybe they might be destined for the drop. They're currently sitting in that relegation playoff zone, which is not guaranteed to, for you to go down, but you, you still have, you're still a chance you go down, which is not great. So Fortuna Dusseldorf right now lost one, won one, and then drawn the last four games they played. For Mainz, they currently sit 28th or 15th with 28 points. They've lost their pat two of their last three and haven't won one in a while. So maybe they could be going down. There's a battle for that. That's 15 through 17 is going to be an intense battle for who goes down in the Bundesliga. Werder Bremen fighting hard, fighting with all their might. Two wins and a draw in their last three. That's what they need. That's what they need to do. Do bits to get back into this, to stay in the Bundesliga, really, just to stay up. And then if we look towards today, we got games, we got action today between Köln and RB Leipzig. That game will be a little bit later today. RB Leipzig, as we said, currently sit fifth in the Bundesliga, but they haven't played a game, and they're one point behind both uh, Leverkusen and Mönchengladbach. So if they win this game, they will go straight back up to fifth, third place in the league. And right now, Köln sit 11th in the league. 34 points for them. Have a minus 8 goal differential. They've won 10, lost 14 in the game. 
and they've drawn two and lost two in their last four games. So right now, they're not in great form. And looking at their past six games, Leipzig have won three, or last five games, my other. Leipzig have won three, have drawn one, and then Köln has won the other one. In their last two meetings, RB Leipzig beat Köln 4-1 earlier this season, and then RB Leipzig lost to Köln 2-1 in February of 2018. So it will be an interesting one. It will be an interesting one. I fully expect RB Leipzig to win, even though they are on the road for this game against Köln. But still, RB Leipzig just got too much class to lose a game like this. I'm going to predict a 2-0 victory for RB Leipzig over Köln in this game. Good luck to both teams in this one. Love a tightly heated match in the Bundesliga. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. And while we're on the topic of soccer, let's just go over some of the other leagues that are going on. Well, not going on right now, but will be going on very, very soon. As we've said, we've got the likes of, where's this at? La Liga coming back on June 11th. The Premier League's coming back on June 17th. And then we got Serie A coming back on June 20th. So leagues across the world are starting to open up and it's exciting times. Fans will not be allowed in the games, obviously, but it's still exciting times because you get to watch actual live sports. Bundesliga is like, who? We're the only league anybody's watching right now. This is awesome. Driving in all this TV revenue. Viewership through the roofs. I love watching the Bundesliga. Bundesliga is a fun league to watch. Very hipster league. Got the likes of Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Mönchengladbach, RB Leipzig. Julian Nagelsmann and RB Leipzig are like the hipster team of the world. Not very much so in the fact of how they got started in regards to like just kind of just popping up out of nowhere, completely dissolving of one team to create another whole new team with the Red Bull brand. Uh, the way they got found is not great, but I think people started to forget about that and go like, man, this team is just very fun to watch. And they're just a bunch of young people. They have that Red Bull system. So, like, you got the likes of Tyler Adams, who came over from the New York Red Bulls, then I believe he went to Red Bull Salzburg, and then went to RB Leipzig. Uh, Jason Marsh, former Red New York Red Bulls head coach, is now the coach of RB Salzburg, who just got the, just won the Austrian League yesterday, I think, and they celebrated through social distancing matters. Got his first win there, Jesse Marsh. First league win in his new colors. First trophy for RB Salzburg. So, I mean, they're hipster in the fact that they're just exciting to watch. They're a young team, and they're not Bayern Munich. But and not so much in the fact of they got started pretty shady. The The system they use is kind of weird. I don't know. If you're a young player, I would recommend going to RB Salzburg or RB uh, Leipzig. Rajad Bajspor Leipzig. Definitely not Red Bull Leipzig, <laughs> even though their logo is the same logo as everyone else, and their arena is called Red Bull Arena. Ribble's not very creative with their teams. They're all the exact same team. They <laughs> Their arenas are all called Red Bull Arena. They have the exact same freaking uniform. I mean, Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburgs are cooler than the other ones. Because New York Red Bull has to go Adidas. Because that's just what the MLS jersey sponsor is. or the, All the MLS teams got Adidas jerseys. Barbie Leipzig, they do the Nike thing. And it's, it's sweet. They got some nice jerseys. They do got some nice jerseys. But... 
That being said, everybody just still wants other leagues to watch. They want to flip through the channels. You're like, oh man, right now I could watch Bayern Munich versus Borussia Mönchengladbach, or I could watch Manchester United versus Everton, or we could turn on Juventus versus uh, AC Milan, which I don't know channels Serie A is on. They might be on ESPN Plus or something, but I don't know. Nobody cares about La Liga, to be honest. It's just PSG and a bunch of other people. No one really cares because no one's challenging them for anything. At least in the Bundesliga, you got Borussia Dortmund there. Uh, RB Leipzig will be up there as well. In Serie A, Lazio's only one point behind Juventus right now. So you got that. The Premier League this year, yeah, okay. Liverpool is going to win the league. But then you have the likes of Man City will always be challenging. Tottenham will challenge a little bit. Chelsea will challenge. Manchester United will semi-challenge. Arsenal will just be there, but they're still a big club, so you have to talk about them. Wolves, Leicester. They got all these good teams in England, but in La Liga, it's it's PSG, and then I don't even know who's currently second. Is Lyon in second or Marseille in second? I don't really know, to be honest. Monaco, after they sold all their really good young players like Kylian Mbappe, Timu, Bakayoko, um, Benjamin Mendy, uh, who else do they even have on that team? They had a lot of good players. That, that, crap, who else do they have on that team? I can't even remember, but they were a squad. Oh, Thomas Lamar, Bern, um, Bernardo Silva, now in Manchester City. All their best players are gone. Ever since then, they haven't really been able to retool their team. Wissam Ben Yedder, been scoring goals like crazy to replace the Galatasaray-bound Radmel Falcao. But... They're still just not the same. They don't have an Mbappe there who's just taking the world by storm and now is the best player in League 1. I almost forgot. The, I almost said La Liga. But that's all right. And it's only a matter of time before Kylian Mbappe plays for Real Madrid. I just hope and pray that he does not wind up in the red and white of the Merseyside Liverpool. <laughs> I that's not what I need. I would love Kylian Mbappe to play for Manchester United, but until they start turning things around... He ain't going to want to come to Manchester United. That's not a feasible prospect for... <laughs> He's not going to go, oh, yeah, this team's super good. I'm going to play with Jesse Lingard, Andres Pereira, and Phil Jones. This is awesome. I'm going to play here. There's world-class players on PSG. There's world-class players at Real Madrid. There is two, maybe three, world-class players on Manchester United. And depending on who you ask, they might be different. But to me... Right now, if we're talking about right now, um, well, actually, no, I'll go throughout the careers. I think it's De Gea, Pogba, and Bruno Fernandes. I think you can throw Rashford in there as well. I think Rashford just needs to get a few more things down, and he will be a guaranteed world-class player. But Fernandes, Pogba, and De Gea, they're world-class. De Gea, a little bit more on the downside. Pogba hasn't played in forever, and he's probably going to leave for Real Madrid this summer. So we'll see what Manchester United can do to rebound off of that with that being said let's just take a quick little break here on the logan blackman show i gotta go to the bathroom so i won't make you sit through that i'm not gonna carry my laptop upstairs to the bathroom and go to the bathroom and then come back and talk the entire time that's just not what i'm gonna do so i'm gonna take a break here and we'll come back we're gonna go through each league in europe the premier league la liga syria just the the bigger leagues it's not all the leagues i guess but their their return times and who could challenge for leagues and what transfers could happen going towards the summer. Manchester United just got Odio Ningalo on an extended loan deal till January 2021. So that's 
positive. Get a little backup striking option for Anthony Martial and Mason Greenwood. But no more rambling. Let's just take a break. We'll be back in a little bit. All right, everybody. Welcome back to this June 1st edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This Monday, June 1st edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And I was going to do this at the end of the show. But the more I like bring back the show or come back, like the beginning of the show today, I was like, man, I can't believe this is all we're here. I, I can't remember what we said. But I was thinking about this during the break. And I, I've i taken like an hour-long break trying to think about what I wanted to do next. Because when I came back or when I come back, whenever, it's hard for me not to mention what's been going on around the world the past few days or just the whole 2020 in general and to say it bluntly 2020 uh, it it just sucks let's just put it like let's just say it like it is the whole COVID-19 situation going out being locked in homes quarantined no sports and I know that's a little microcosm of what's going on right now but it has affected the lives of a lot of people Kobe Bryant's death and then recently the murder of George Floyd up in Minneapolis so, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know how many of you don't know about this by now, but just a little, like, recap, I guess you could say, of what happened. So, George Floyd uh, went to a deli and was accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill. So, the police officers, who were named Derek Chavon, Tao, Tao, I, I'm not, I don't know how to say his name, J. Alexander Quang, and Thomas K. Lang. Again, I might have said those guys' names wrong but basically dragged him out and Siobhan got him to the ground with the others holding him down and put his knee right on his neck and for eight minutes and how much how long was it eight minutes and 46 seconds he sat there with his knee on his neck and about two minutes and 53 seconds occurred Floyd after Floyd was unresponsive so he kept it on even after Floyd was responsive. Because I've always wondered that when I was younger, watching like um, mixed martial arts or something, I've always wondered this, or watching TV shows or something. Like, what's the difference between getting knocked out or getting choked out, like getting killed? I always wondered that when I was younger. And then we started looking at it throughout the years and go like, okay, so... You do it when they're first knocked out, then they're knocked out. But if you keep on doing it after they're knocked out or out cold, that's when it turns lethal. And that's what happened here. After 8 minutes and 46 seconds, he knelt on his neck. And about 2 minutes and 53 seconds, so about 5 minutes in, or a little, he still kept it on his neck, which is when he died. This is over a... Uh, an accused $20 bill that was counterfeit. Is that really justifiable cause for, just say it like it is, murdering somebody? I get cops are supposed to enforce the law, but it's a, that's a major overkill. And you can say that about a lot of the situations that have been going on around the country throughout these numerous times of police brutality over unarmed black men. You see it all the time. the 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 punishment doesn't justif or doesn't uh, equal the crime. I guess punishment doesn't fit the crime or something like that. 
these people aren't doing anything that warrants death, which a lot of people that usually traffic stops or whatever don't really warrant somebody dying. And yet we see this all the time throughout American media, throughout media everywhere. We see this and it just has to stop. And I've seen this quote all over Twitter and I, I love this quote. Nobody should live in fear because of the color of their skin. And that's 100% true. That's 100% facts. No one should be subject to that. And that, as a 22-year-old white guy, I will never understand to the fullest extent of what goes on with... I just won't understand anything that goes on. I can't put myself in a black person's shoes. I can't. I will never live like that. There are times they may wake up and fear of getting pulled over. If you get pulled over by a cop and you're a white guy, oh, it's just a typical traffic stop. At least you assume, unless you've got something else going on in your car. If you got drugs, weapons, paraphernalia, whatever. Usually, you get busted. It's like, okay, here's a little ticket. But then you see videos on social media and throughout the news media of a black person getting pulled over. And then, all of a sudden, they're out on the, on the floor for speeding going five miles and over a speed or tinted windows i heard a story up in cedar falls last year when i was taking my public speech class public public speaking class of a girl who who, her dad is an attorney up in the cedar valley area and a woman got pulled over on the highway when it was snowing for tinted windows and eventually got arrested for nothing that was in the cedar valley area and that we don't we don't think that this stuff happens in our backyards you never really think of that you never go like oh we live in iowa this this stuff won't happen here there's certain things that won't happen here and you see stuff like that now it's not to the full now it's not uh, a cop committing murder or something like that but it's still racially profiling and arresting someone without justifiable cause which should be illegal and you see the cops out there uh, a lot of the times, or not a lot of the, I don't know the exact numbers. And I might sound ignorant when I say this, because again, I'm a white guy. I will never fully ex- understand what goes on in the life of a, minor- of a minority. I will never fully understand that. So I can talk and say all I want, but I will never fully understand what goes on. And the cops that have committed these, just again, murders... Some of them, if not most of them, go pretty much unpunished. They might get fired, might lose their position, but they don't go to jail. From what we see in the media, they don't go to jail. It basically goes unpunished. That's like the punishment doesn't fit the crime, but in a reverse order of the crime is extreme and the punishment's very lax. Just put it lightly. Now, I have my family, we have friends that are cops. We love them. They're very great friends. And I can say this, not all cops are bad people, but the system, uh, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. I don't really know how I want to word this, but like, just not all cops are bad, but there's bad, there's bad apples everywhere, but it's just very bad. Nobody should live in fear because of the color of their skin. I love that quote. Because it's 100% true. It's 100% factual. 
And you see all this with the George Floyd death, the protests going around, a lot of very peaceful protests that get escalated very quickly. You saw the night after with um, the looting of Target, I think it was, and the destruction of an auto zone, which I've heard the auto zone was an undercover cop breaking windows, from what I've heard. And you've got people doing these peaceful protests, but you got people taking advantage of the situation and using it for clout. I saw a picture of two girls on Twitter. There, someone took a screenshot of their Instagrams and their text messages, going like, "Oh man, let me get my cutest riot outfit on." The people going in and stealing certain things—that's not connected to George Floyd. Now, I have seen this where it's like, this will get people to notice, and to be fair, it. It's getting noticed. And hopefully, this brings an end to all of this. Now, again, I might sound very ignorant to the whole situation. But there's a lot of people that aren't doing this for the right reasons. And there's a lot more people that are, but there's some people that are doing this for the wrong reasons. And there's some beautiful examples of peaceful protesting throughout the new, especially yesterday. Now, that you'll mostly see the chaos of certain places of the mounds of tear gas getting thrown everywhere the arrests you'll see that all over the media because that's what draws people's attention no one will look at like oh this is some they want excitement and that draws people up if that makes any sense but then if you look at the likes of flint michigan with the sheriff walking with protesters you'll get kansas city with everybody on a knee nobody saying anything they're just sitting there you look at the downtown Des Moines last night. You see protesters kneeling. They were wanting the cops to take a knee with them. The cops did for two minutes. You had two officers, one black and one white, go on a knee, and both were praying over the situation. That stuff like that just needs to be happening more often. And then you just go on social media, and then you'll see people going into stores and stealing things who don't have the signs, who aren't doing, they're taking advantage of a situation pretty much. Some of these protests are beautifully done. Great messages from the people that are, that are leading them, I guess. You got great scenes all over the place. And you got bad scenes that are also all over the place. People breaking windows, cops throwing tear gas, people throwing stuff at the police officers. If you throw something at the police officer, like there was a, uh, like if you threw a water bottle at the police officer, or if you accosted the police officer, or cursed at the police officer, or something, they can't do anything. Like if if they do something, they'll be on a negative light. But if you do something, you should expect a reaction afterwards. So you can't chuck something at somebody and then run away. That's not. I saw that on the, my dad, I, I didn't see this, but it was on the news a few nights ago of a kid running up to the cops, hucking a water ball at somebody, hitting them and then running away. The cops didn't do anything because they really can't. Trying so hard just not to, you can't, don't escalate the situation. That's the whole point. This could sound, again, could sound very, very ignorant. And I'm trying not to sound ignorant because I'm looking at this in a completely different light and in a light that I will never understand. I'm sitting here in the suburbs 
with family here with no real threats of any kind whatsoever. I don't live in fear of police officers or other things, but a lot of people out there do. I don't think a lot of us understand that. There's a lot of people that this fear the police officer. My cousins, or my, I guess they're technically my dad's cousins, but they're closer to my age, live up on the north side of Chicago. And the younger of the two girls work down on Inglewood in Chicago. And the kids there, when a cop would drive by, got scared. They should not be, They you shouldn't live in fear of the people that are supposed to keep you safe. That's the whole moral of the story. And these protests all across the world, they've grown outside the United States now. There's been protests in over 100 cities in every single state of the U.S. There was protests now in England. I saw one in the Netherlands, uh, New Zealand. It was either New Zealand or Australia. I don't remember. But peaceful protests. And it's beautiful when the cops walk around with the protesters. How they're, they're, one, in, where they're one with each other. You're supposed to be the protectors of people. You shouldn't really be making others fear. Which the Minneapolis Police Department, I've been doing a little bit of research on it. They have not necessarily been the cleanest of police departments, especially with Derek Chavone or whatever his name is. I've never been able to, I don't know how to say his name. I'm saying it how it's spelled. I think that's how it is. So here's what the Wikipedia article says. And I know Wikipedia can be edited by anybody, but... I'm going to believe this for the time being. I, and I'm pretty confident this is, is accurate. Derek Michael Chavon, a 44-year-old white man, has been an officer in the Minneapolis Police Department since 2001. Chavon had 18 complaints on his official record, two of which ended in discipline from the department, including official letters of reprimand. Of reprimand. He had been involved in three police shootings, one of which was fatal, according to former club owner Maya Santa Maria. Floyd and Siobhan had worked as security guards and had overlapping shits, shifts at a night a Latin nightclub on the way to Rodeo. She said Siobhan had worked there for 17 years while Floyd had worked there for about a dozen events. She said it was not clear if they knew each other, but that she did not believe so. Santa Maria said Siobhan at times had used overly aggressive tactics that led her to speak to him. So he's, an over, he's had multiple occasions of complaints 18 complaints on his official record three shootings one fatal shooting why is this guy allowed on the police force the two tau again the other one of the other police officers attended the police academy in 2009 and was hired a full-time position in the with the minneapolis police department in 2012 after being laid off for two years in 2017 tau was a defendant in an excessive use of force lawsuit that was settled in court for $25,000. So you have two cops here, two of the four cops, because as far as it says, Thomas Lane and Jay Alexander Kyung haven't have had no previous complaints on their record. But why are the first two still on the force? One's been laid off twice. The other one's got 18 complaints, and they're still on the force of both of overly aggressive tactics, both of them. All four of them are guilty. All four are guilty. All four should be arrested. One of them, 
Siobhan just got moved to a maximum security prison today, like about 10 minutes ago, I think it was. I was scrolling through Twitter, and it just popped up in my timeline. But man, it's just, it's sad. It's very, very sad. And I've seen people go on and say, no, don't do this, and other people explaining why they do this. And both, to me, make sense. Like, I don't think you should be looting, but I think these are getting people's attention, and hopefully this will get spark some sort of change in this country that has seen police brutality be one of the fabrics of our being, which is not a good thing at all. It's very sad. I hope this sparks change. I don't like, I don't want to see looting anymore. I don't want to see businesses getting broken. Cause I know they're multi-million dollar entities or whatever, but those multi-million dollar entities are not really, it's the people that are going to be working there that are working the minimum wage at those entities that are going to be the ones really suffering for this. Stealing, looting, that's not a part of what this these protests should be about. Now, I've heard the example of the peaceful protests haven't worked. Because you look at Martin Luther King, they assassinated him, and things are still going on today. Racism is still alive in the United States. It's a sad time. It's a sad time, and two of my favorite rappers... Joey Badass and Kendrick Lamar have been at the forefront of these movements for a while now. And they're both expected to release albums this year. So I'm interested to see what their albums do. It's just a little side note. But I love seeing the the peaceful protests. I love seeing the cops joining with the protesters and walking together. Those are beautifully done. Beautiful. I love I love every second after I've watched those. They're they make you get a little emotional. And you see the people crying and it's very emotional. It's an emotional time. No one should fear because of the color of their skin. No one should live in fear because of the color of skin, but people do. And it's justified. Cuz you see examples of this all the time. Again, we have friends that are cops. I love them. My family loves them. They're not the bad one. You have bad ones. They'll get brought up to the light when stuff like this happens. I can't remember who said this, but it was, they were talking about, I think it was Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam had a very good speech this morning, or it was la- or it was yesterday. I can't I saw it on Twitter this morning. You, former United, uh, is he still on the Miami Heat? Or is he former Miami Heat now? He's been on the Heat forever. But uh, he had a very good speech this morning. I don't remember if this was from this, but that was either way, if this wasn't from that one, still watch that one because it was very good as well. These people are garbage people before they put on the badge. And now that they got that sense of empowerment, that gives them the, I don't know, the opportunity to do this, I guess without facing real repercussions for this. If that makes any sense. You don't like these group of people before. Now you got a badge. Now you can technically legally do this. That's what, that's the bad part. The bad people getting in and then still doing this. That's the bad things that are going on. 
Again, there are there are good cops everywhere. And you see that on social media now, but then you also see the bad ones. There's bad eggs in almost every basket. And I hope, I hope and pray that this all gets sorted out. Because no, nobody likes seeing this. Nobody does. I hate seeing this. It gets emotional every single time you see this. Because like, man, this is just, it's getting out of hand. Not necessarily the protests. Just the police the police brutality and the unarmed black men that are dying because of this. That's the part that's getting out of hand. And I hope we see more peaceful protests as the times goes on. Because I'm sure the cops are tired of this as well. Because now the cops who are doing this, because some of them, or majority of them, you would imagine, took this to serve and protect their communities. So this hurts them inside too. Because now they're viewed in a negative light as well even though they not might not see that they might not be they may not view the same things that, that person did at least you hope so so it hurts them as well so that's why you see a lot of the cops taking knees or taking walks with the protesters and siding with the protesters instead of siding against the protesters i hope we see that more i hope we see that more and i hope this all comes to an end because man it's just it's sad. I, I, there's no other word to put it but sad. Nobody should live in fear because of the color of their skin. And I said this a thousand times. I'm a white guy. So I will never fully understand that fear. But I have friends that of are of minorities. That are black. That are Mexican. That are Asian. I have friends from all... This is the beauty of playing football and sports. Because you get to meet all these people from different cultures. It's a cluster of people from all over the place. I'm from Des Moines. You get people from Southern Missouri. You get people from Atlanta, Georgia. You get people from Miami. All meeting up in Oskaloosa, Iowa. Out of all places in the world, something brought you to Oskaloosa. That's the beauty of sports. And I know that's just one, but that's why I love sports. Everything you think of one person can change because you're sharing a locker room. You're battling with that person every single game and every single practice as well. I Dan Orlovsky said this. I don't agree with everything Dan Orlovsky says. I especially don't agree with his entitled quote on Damian Lillard, but his quote on Twitter the other day of, I wish everybody could play sports because this is, I'm paraphrasing. Of course it gets everybody together and people from all, all different backgrounds come together to be on one team and fight for the same goal. And it brings everybody closer together. And I love that. All your previous thoughts of somebody or some race are out the window because you know them better than you ever thought you would before. I loved it. I love sports. And it's sad that we don't have sports right now. But right now there are things that are bigger than sports going on right now. I loved seeing in the Bundesliga yesterday, you had Weston McKinney, one of the best players to the United States men's national team, having a George Floyd armband on. I loved seeing Jaden Sancho, a Manchester United-linked player, current Borussia Dortmund player, wearing a George Floyd shirt underneath his jersey. I believe Taram for Borussia Mönchengladbach had a George Floyd shirt on. 
you see NBA players. Jalen Brown drove 15 hours down to Atlanta to march with protesters there. Malcolm Brogdon has been leading. Trey, Trey Young is going out with protesters today. Uh, Jay Cole in, um, oh, crap, what is his name? From the Knicks. Oh, geez. Dennis Smith were protesting in Fayette, North, or South Carolina today. There's beautiful protests all over. I hope that these don't keep on escalating. It's it's just sad. And I hope this all gets sorted out soon with the police brutality stuff. Cause I, it's, it's just sad. Again, I can say that a thousand times. It's just sad. And I hope I didn't sound ignorant like the entire time I was talking. Because again, I will never be able to go through what some of these people go through. I never will. As speaking facts, I never will. So I hope I don't sound ignorant when I say certain things, but that's just what I'm feeling about the whole topic. Nobody should live in fear because of the color of their skin. And with that, let's take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We'll finally get into some talking about some soccer right now. We got some Premier League, La Liga, Serie A are all coming back. We'll go through each league, see what how teams are doing in each league, go through what teams should win, what teams could do to improve their teams on next year. But let's just take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show on this June 1st edition here in 2020. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show. Again, if, if I sounded ignorant or something, I don't – I'm not fully educated on the situation, but I just wanted to say something. I That's just what I'm – Feeling at this point in time, I don't know if it, I don't know. I'm, I just needed to talk on the situation because it, it needs to be talked about. I just hope everything turns around for the better. Cause right now we're now we're in the second half of 2020 and I'm, we're entering the second half of 2020. I guess we're halfway through. I just hope the second half is better than the first half. Cause right now the first half of 2020 just sucks. Just straight up sucks. There's no other better way to put it. No other way to put it than it just straight up sucks. Started off with Kobe Bryant's death, and then we had COVID-19, and then we had no sports getting played, and we're starting to get back to that, but it's not going to feel the same. And again, I've said this before, but it's a small little bleep on what's happened so far. And then we have the death of George Floyd. So it's just been a crappy, 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 crappy 2020 so far. And I just hope... And I pray that twenty nine or uh, the second half of twenty twenty going into twenty twenty one is a much better situation than what we are in right now. And with that being said, let's look towards those sports coming back. And we got the as we've said before, the Premier League, La Liga, and Serie A are all coming back. The Premier League is coming back on June seventeenth. La Liga June eleventh, and Serie A June twentieth. So right now, with that being said, let's look at all of the leagues. We'll start off with the Liga since that's coming back first, and then we'll just move on to the other leagues, Premier League and La Liga and uh, Serie A. And then we'll move on to our next talking point, which is more about the NFL. But La Liga will kick off again June 17th. Or June, June 11th, June 11th, June 11th. First game on June 11th is Sevilla versus Real Betis. The Seville Derby, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah, Sevilla and Real Betis. Uh, right now, the two teams, Betis sits currently 12th in the league, whereas Sevilla sits currently 3rd. 
It's 47 points for Sevilla behind Barcelona, who sit first, and Real Madrid, who sits second, two points behind Barcelona. But Real Madrid have allowed only 19 goals this season, which is by far a league low. Atletico Madrid sit there with 21 goals. Other than those two, there's a pretty sizable gap between the next teams there. The two Madrid teams very good defensively. Barcelona just announced a little bit ago, at least what I saw on my phone a little bit ago, Nelson Semedo, their right back, who's been in and out of the team throughout a, throughout his time at Barcelona, ever since coming over from Benfica, I believe is where he came from. So now he looks like he's going to Manchester City. Manchester City got João Cancelo swapping over Danilo. João Cancelo has been an absolute flop in Manchester City. So they are going to invest in a new right back. So they're getting Nelson Semedo. Barcelona are trying to raise the funds. Lerato Martinez at Inter Milan and Marilyn Pjanic at Juventus. Very Two very good players that will vastly improve Barcelona's team, especially Lerato Martinez. That dude, amazing player. He'll improve that team tenfold. So they're trying to raise funds for that. Nelson Semedo getting sold is definitely part of that. But right now in a La Liga with Barcelona sitting currently on top. Barcelona's first matchup of the resumed Bundesliga or La Liga is against Mallorca on June 13th. Real Madrid currently sitting second in the league, as we've said, play Ibar in their first game. And they've been announced they will play all the remaining games at their practice facilities. So they're a little smaller stadium, so it doesn't feel as empty playing in Santiago Bernabeu, which is a 90,000-seat stadium. So it makes sense uh, not to feel as empty. It's still going to be weird watching that. Other games going on post-June 11th, we got Granada versus Catafe. And Valencia versus Levante. Those games again on June 12th. Moving on to Saturday, June 13th. Espanol versus Deportivo Alves. Alves. Uh, Salta Vigo versus Villarreal. Leganes versus Real Valladolid. Valladolid. Mallorca against Barcelona, as we already said. Sunday, June 14th. Athletic Bilbao versus Atletico Madrid. Real Madrid versus Ibar. And Real Sociedad versus Osasuna. So right now, in the throughout the rest of the league... Real Sociedad sits fourth with 46 points, joint with Getafe. Both sit on 46 points. Both got a plus 12 goal difference, but I'm guessing they're going off. Sociedad has one more win and more goal scored, so that might be why they're higher. But Getafe sits fifth. Atletico Madrid sitting an unfamiliar sixth. They haven't been in that spot in a while. It's really been Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid battling for those top three spots with Sevilla battling there as well. Atletico, Atletic Bilbao is also in there as well, but they're sitting 10th, which is a very weird spot for them. But Villarreal, another team that usually challenges, sits 8th in the league, losing their last three games, sitting on 38 points right now. It's been a weird year. Celta Vigo, usually up there as well, spearheaded by Diago Aspas, but they're at the bottom of the league as well. Espanyol currently sits bottom on 20 points. Leganes sits 19th with 23 points, and Mallorca sits 18th with 25. Celta Vigo only one spot out of the relegation zone with 26 points. Five wins for Celta Vigo, which is two less wins than Mallorca, who sits one place behind them in the standings. Espanyol has the lowest win total in the league with a with only four wins and a minus 23 goal differential, which is by far the worst in the league. Barcelona have 18 wins, which is a league high while Real Madrid sit with three losses which is a league low 
So again, Barcelona trying to raise the funds to get Lorato Martinez and Merlin Pjanic. I would say Lorato Martinez should be priority number one, but you can go out for uh, Merlin Pjanic as well. It looks like Ansu Fati is going to be leading as well with him being linked to Borussia Dortmund, which would be a very good step for his career because he's not going to get a lot of playing time at Barca. It's just facts. You got Antoine Griezmann, Usman Dembele, Messi, Suarez, and then if you get Lorato Martinez, you'll have him there. So playing time is going to be very tiny at the new camp for the foreseeable future, especially for a 16-year-old. Look at what going to uh, Borussia Dortmund has done for the careers of Jane Sancho and Hakimi, who's been on loan from Real Madrid. Very good stuff for Erling Holland, who has exploded since going there. If you want to be built up a young player, if you want to, if you're a young player, I want to be built up and play the highest potential. Borussia Dortmund is the place to go. And just going to the Bundesliga is a great place. Look at all the young English players, the United States players that go there. Reese Nelson, uh, Matoto, the Welsh international playing for Schalke, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic made his name at Borussia Dortmund. Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen. John Brooks with Wolfsburg. You have all these players that are over there. We already mentioned Jaden Sancho, Alfonso Davies went to Bayern Munich. Is now their starting right back, one of the best left or starting left back. We're now one of the best left backs, attacking fullbacks in the world. Like you go to Bundesliga, you will develop rapidly. They will give chances to young players in the Bundesliga because they do it. All the time. Even the best. Bayern Munich give chances to young players. All of the time. Davies, a prime example right there. Joshua Kimmich playing right back. Now he's playing defensive midfield. Serge Gnabry coming over. Now he's one of the best players on the German national team. He's played 13 games for Germany. I think he has 13 goals. Like, you will get your chances in the Bundesliga. So if I'm on Sufati, I'm going... To the Bundesliga. I've heard Angel Gomez, Manchester United's young young starlet, might be going to the Bundesliga as well. I hope Manchester United keep him because he's a very talented player. Very ball demanding. He can pass the ball over the place. They move to a 4-3-3 and eventually develop him enough to where he can play alongside Bruno Fernandes. That'd be a great midfield. Get someone that's very defensive behind them because I know Scott McTominay's a destroyer and Fred's more of a distributor. We want someone that would be a mixture of both. I know it's a little sidetracked, but so Barcelona, two points up on Real Madrid right now. Can they still, can they hold on and win the league? Time will tell. For Real Madrid, Kareem Benzema has been on fire. Eden Hazard has not really been the Ronaldo replacement they've been really hoping he'd be. He hasn't, he's kind of been a mixed bag as far as performances go. Right now, for Real Madrid, Eden Hazard has one goal in one assist in his time playing for Real Madrid. That's not very good, playing 749 minutes this season. That's not great. That's less than a teenager, Rodrigo, who's played 666 minutes, has two goals to his name this season. But Kareem Benzema has been awesome. 14 goals, 6 assists, leading the line for Real Madrid. More of a withdrawn striker role than he's used to. Sergio Ramos is second on the team with 5 goals this season. I believe he's their penalty taker. For Real Madrid, the Real Madrid captain. And then uh, you've got the likes of Thibaut Courtois, who's stepped up his game a lot from the season before. He was not a great player last year, Thibaut Courtois. 
And now he's starting to show how classy he is, like he was at the World Cup when he got named the World Cup's best goalkeeper. And his former club, Chelsea, they're in need of a goaltender. So we'll see what they can do. But will Kylian Mbappe or Raheem Sterling make their way to Real Madrid this summer? They're going to make a big signing this summer. Will it be Mbappe or will it be Sterling? Or will it be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Because he promises late grandfather that he would eventually be playing for Real Madrid. So will they sign him? He's been playing very good on the left wing from a withdrawn left-sided striker position for Arsenal. So maybe he can do that for Real Madrid. I think Mbappe is the creme de la creme for Real Madrid, though. I think Paul Pogba is also up there. He can be the perfect midfielder for Real Madrid and Zinedine Zidane. But Real Madrid, they have some very, very talented players out on loan. Martin Odegaard at Real Sociedad is only 21 years old. You would think he's like in his mid-20s with how much he got talked about when he first transferred to Real Madrid. And then you've got the likes of Hakimi, one of the best attacking left right backs in the world right now for Borussia Dortmund. you got, oh crap, what's his name for Sevilla left back? Sergio Regulon? I don't, I don't think I said his name right, but he's another great player. You got Ferland Mendy still there at Real Madrid. You, Luka Jovic has struggled in his first year there, but he's still a very talented player nonetheless. You got some talented players for Real Madrid. And if they get one of those big-name players like Mbappe or Raheem Sterling or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, they could be right back to where they were winning Champions Leagues, winning La Liga and stuff like that. But they need one of those other great players. Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr. got potential for days. But they need to start phasing out the players like Gareth Bale, like Luka Modric, who are Luka Modric, great player. I'm not saying anything on Luka Modric's legacy. Ballon d'Or winner, World Cup's finalist, one of the best players in the world. But you'd want to get a Paul Pogba or just keep a Martin Odegaard or keep a Federico Valverde in there to replace him at midfield. But Gareth Bale's got to go. Gareth Bale has to be gone. And... Yeah, I think getting a guy like Kylian Mbappe or like Raheem Sterling would be perfect replacements for them. Raheem Sterling, I can't see being at Manchester City for that long. I could see him being one of those Englishmen that wants to go test the waters over in Spain or over in another country, like a Paul Gascoigne or a Gary Lineker or a Mark Hughes, like someone that just goes and tests the other waters out in the world. I could see him being that. He's one of, if not England's best player. He's a beast. And I hate saying that because he's played for Liverpool and Manchester City. But he is. I have to speak facts. And it sucks for Marcus Rashford because when Euro 2021 comes around, where's he going to (laughs) start? I feel bad for him because he's up there with, I mean, he's not at the same level as a Raheem Sterling or Jane Sancho, but they're going to keep him out of the starting lineup. Which is how insane English's attack, England's attack is with Harry Kane leading it. But will he make the move to Real Madrid in Spain? Only time will tell. But again, next year, and even this year, it's just a Real Madrid versus Barcelona league. That's all it is. It's all it really ever has been with the odd chance of Atletico Madrid going, we want to challenge this year. Oh, I think we can challenge them this year. And then actually don't. Except for the one year they won the league. So congratulations to Atletico Madrid when you won that league. And hopefully for Atletico Madrid, Jao Felix turns out to be as good as what his price tag is. And Sal Nuguez, it looks like he's going to be leaving 
We don't know where, but yeah, Alvaro Morata currently leads them in scoring with eight goals. Jao Felix has four goals to his name this year. Diego Costa has two goals to his name. Angel Correa, five goals, six assists, one of their best players this season. Thomas Partey is going to be gone this offseason. You would expect him to leave. You'd expect Saul to leave. So you got two of your best players, your two center midfielders. Well, it, I guess he more plays on the left now, but Koke, another one in there. But Saul, that's two huge losses, two young players. Party's 26, Saul Niguez is 25. You're losing two good players there. How you replace them, only time will tell. But I don't think they'll be challenging Real Madrid and Barcelona next season. So now with that being said, let's look at the Premier League, who's coming back on June 17th. Every game, every team in the Premier League is playing on June 17th. Wait, no, that's on May 17th. Go to June 17th. Oh, come on. It's been on here. Why is it not letting me do this? I'll have to click on each individual team. That's going to be... That's going to be annoying. Why am I doing it? Why does this have to happen? What the heck? What? Okay, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. This isn't popping up with the schedule. Nothing's popping up. I got to search this on just straight up Google, I guess. This is not really what I wanted to do. I thought it would pop. It popped up the other day. So I thought it would work. I really thought it would work. So on June 17th, <laughs> we have Manchester City versus Arsenal and Aston Villa versus Sheffield Wednesday. Or Sheffield United. Why did I say Sheffield Wednesday? Sheffield United. So those are two games that I know about for certain. So let's go on to this one. So those are your games on June 17th. June 18th, we'll have Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace, Brighton and Hove Albion versus Arsenal. Wait, what? Match day 30. So there's just two games on the... Okay. So there's only two games on June 17th. Then we go on to the next game set of games. Aston Villa versus Chelsea, Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace, Brighton versus Arsenal, Everton-Liverpool, the Merseyside Derby, Manchester City versus Burnley, Newcastle versus Sheffield United, Norwich City versus Southampton, Tottenham versus Manchester United, Watford versus Leicester, and West Ham versus Wolves. So those are your scheduled games for right now. And as far as the league table goes, Liverpool's got this thing locked up. They're not going to be the next invincible team, but they look like a FIFA team when you're playing career mode in FIFA. 27 wins, one draw, one loss. They just look like a straight-up FIFA team. They don't even look like a real team. And if their transfer goals get met, goodness gracious, that's not fair. Liverpool's supposed to suck. I hate when Liverpool's good. They haven't been good my entire life. And I was living happy. I was happy when they were signing or having the likes of John Joe Shelby play every single week. I was loving when they had Martin Skirtle playing every single week. Daniel Agger. I loved those guys. They had Adam Bogdan and Mingdele. I loved watching those guys play. They brought joy to my life. Now they're playing with Allison, the best goalkeeper in the world. Virgil van Dijk, the best defender in the world. Trent Alexander-Arnold, the best attacking right back in the world. Andy Robinson, Robertson, arguably one of the best left backs in the world. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, the be one of the best trios in the world attacking-wise. Like, they went from having such bang-average players that 
to world-class players like that, and it makes me upset. They went to two Champions League finals back-to-back, won one of them. They probably would have won the other one if Mohamed Salah didn't get hurt and Loris Karras didn't have wrists made out of jello. They would have probably won that one, which sickens me. And they're going to win their first Premier League since 1990. Actually, first league title since 1990. It wasn't even a Premier League. Premier League didn't get established until 92-93, I believe. But Liverpool, 82 points, leagues wrapped. Followed that, Manchester City sits second, Leicester City third, Chelsea fourth, and Manchester United fifth. Arsenal sit all the way down in ninth. Everton, who had high expectations going into the season, sit 12th. Sheffield United shocking everybody. Currently sits seventh. Tottenham's in eighth place. This has been a weird Premier League season. And it's no coincidence that Liverpool is winning the league and now the world goes to crap. Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Like, this is not a coincidence. Liverpool winning the league, Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It's just two bad things that we don't need. And it's happened. That's why this <laughs> this year sucks. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, Liverpool's got the league all wrapped up. They currently sit on 82 points. Manchester City is 57. They have nine more wins than Manchester City and six less losses. So they're, Manchester City's not challenging Liverpool for anything. I think Manchester City knows that. I think Liverpool knows that as well. Leicester City, I hope they beat Manchester City to second. And if Manchester City gets their ban or whatever, their UEFA Champions League ban, Manchester United can go right up to that Champions League spot. But they have to get past... I, I just want them to get past Chelsea so we don't need to th- hope that happens. And if you just get past Chelsea, then you know you're going to the Champions League. If you don't get past Chelsea, then we're just hoping that Manchester City gets the ban and then we're just sitting like, if it doesn't happen, like, crap, well, that didn't happen. That sucks. But Manchester United, right now, they their squad is underrated, I think, in a couple different, vari- a couple different areas. Very talented team all across the board. Just to have a couple oddballs in there. I think Marcus Rashford is a beautiful player. He's my favorite player. He's been my favorite player on Manchester United for a few years now because he's two weeks older than me. I just always find that crazy that when he first broke in, I saw he was born on October twenty or October 31st, 1997. He is two weeks older than me. So I was like, oh, he's my favorite player. When he's still rocking the number 39, now he rocks the number 10, which my favorite Manchester United player of all time is Wayne Rooney. So rocking the number 10 is sweet. Now my new favorite player was number 10. Then you look at the likes of Aaron Wan-Bissaka, the best defending right back arguably in the world I would say definitely the Premier League world might be pushing a little bit Harry Maguire great captain for Manchester United has improved Manchester United's defense insanely then you got Bruno Fernandez. we can't even talk we don't have enough time to talk about how great Bruno Fernandez has been actually giving some spark to the offense ever since Pogba got hurt the offense has been dead the entire season offense has sucked the entire season for Manchester United it's been absolutely terrible Pogba hopefully comes back and hopefully, when he comes back, we see him and Bruno Fernandes light up some teams, and that gets them into a guaranteed Champions League spot where we don't have to bet on Manchester City getting suspended. If Pogba leaves, who are we looking to resign or looking to sign? Jack Jack Grealish is more than likely priority number one. Saul Niguez from Atletico Madrid has been a target of mine for multiple years now. He's just never come. He just never came here. So maybe he's a target there as well. Get Bruno Fernandez sole occupancy of the attacking midfield role, and then get Saul as a box-to-box midfielder who doesn't need to attack. Doesn't only def- he defends awesomely. He attacks 
very well as well. So get that kind of guy in there. Get a defensive Fred or Scott McTominay will keep their spots. Fred has been awesome this year. He's been a vastly improved player from the season before. I love Scott McTominay. Very good, like, bulldozer in midfield. Breaks up every little thing you need. And I I love Scott McTominay. I'm not going to say, like, I love him. Um, Anthony Martial looks motivated this year. He doesn't look all lost in certain times like he has in years gone by. I think you could sign a striker to push him a little bit more. But they did re-sign, as I said earlier in the show, got Odia Nagalo on a new loan deal, so until January 2021, which is great. I love Odia Nagalo as well. Uh, Luke Shaw, I've been partial to Luke Shaw. I don't. I like that Brandon Williams is pushing him because that makes him play better. But I think Brandon William event, Williams eventually overtakes him. Victor Lindelof, I love Victor Lindelof, but maybe get an upgrade at center back to partner Harry Maguire. He's not saying he's been bad. He hasn't been bad, but maybe get an upgrade on him. Get Kaladu Koulibaly because Liverpool are trying to get him. If you pair Koulibaly with Virgil van Dijk, with already the two best attacking fullbacks in the world, with the best goalie in the world, no one's scoring on Liverpool. So just to make that not happen, Manchester United gets needs to get Kaladu Koulibaly. That needs to happen. That should be priority... Well, actually, no. Priority number two. Because priority number one has to be... And if you would talk to any Manchester United fan, they say anything different. They're not a Manchester United fan. They have to get Jadon Sancho. Have to get Jadon Sancho. World-class right winger. That is what they need. Getting his first ever career hat trick. He needs to come to Manchester United. He loves the idea of playing for Manchester United. If you believe what the media is telling you. And he would be awesome. A, a front three of Rashford, Martial, and Jane Sancho. Oh, my God. That's just, that's scary. And eventually, if you want to get a new new striker in there, then go ahead. But Martial has all the potential to be an elite center forward. And pairing him with Sancho and Rashford is awesome. Instead of Ra- Rashford, Martial, and Daniel James or Lingard, or Greenwood. I love Mason Greenwood. He has all the potential in the world. Maybe he takes Anthony Martial's spot as the number one striker. He's only 17 years old, so I think he could eventually if Martial's form starts to dip off. But on the right wing, Sancho has to be the number one guy. Play a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Get Jack Grealish. Play him next to Fernandez. Grealish works hard for his teams. He has some questionable off-the-field stuff, but he's never let that affect his on-the-field performance. He's been a leader for Aston Villa. I think he'd be an awesome player for Manchester United if Paul Pogba leaves. McTominay is the holding midfielder, or Fred, rotate them depending on who you're playing. Then Aaron Wambasaka at right back, Harry Maguire center back, Kaladu Koulibaly, Luke Shaw, and then either Dean Henderson or David, David De Gea. Jeez. Henderson, I've heard, is going on loan to Borussia Dortmund because apparently Chelsea want Roman Berkey, the starting goalkeeper for Borussia Dortmund. So we'll see what happens there. But Dean Henderson is the future of Manchester United, that goalie. And the way De Gea's form's been dropping off ever since the World Cup, it, it I think Dean Henderson's time's coming sooner rather than later. You would imagine anyways. That's what I would do if I'm Manchester United. But again, I'm not Manchester United. I'm Logan Blackman, host of the Logan Blackman Show, which you listen to on every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore LB underscore show. 
Follow my personal Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. Follow my Instagram, The Logan Blackman Show. And my personal Instagram, I just search Logan Blackman, should pop up. Go like the Facebook page, The Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. It's got 101 likes. We're shooting for 150 likes now. So let's get that, that, let's get that son of a B word up to 150 likes. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. I don't post on there all the time, but when I do, I think the videos are worth watching. And go go to the Logan Blackman Show dot com go look at the website we just redid it so i think it looks a little better we'll post all of our stuff on there right after each show so go there if you want to catch up on all your latest logan blackman show stuff but being a radio show it's like i make opinions and no one can say anything <laughs> but i like the direction manchester united's going i just think they need to make a couple more signings then the squad will be up there again i think manchester city might be falling off which is brilliant their center-back partnership, well, it's just been a lot of injuries for Manchester City. Their center-back partnerships have been iffy. Their left-back situation's iffy. But they've got world-class players in midfield and up top, but their defense is just iffy. Leicester, I love Leicester City. Jay's Madison grew up a Manchester United fan, so if he wants to come to Manchester United, come on over. But it doesn't look like he is because he signed a nice little deal with Leicester or is preparing to sign a deal with Leicester. So... I don't know if Leicester be too keen on signing their two best players back-to-back to Manchester United. They're not like Southampton. They have a little more ambition than Southampton does when they were selling all their players to Liverpool. So I don't know if Leicester City would do that. But, yeah, that's how the Premier League looks right now. Hopefully teams can challenge Liverpool in years come by because this year it's over. Sitting at the bottom of the Premier League, though, is Norwich with 21 points who are just destined for the drop. They have the league low in wins, league low in losses, or league high in losses, league low in goal differential, and league uh, league low in goals scored. They're destined to go down. Aston Villa sits at 19th with 25 points, and Bournemouth with 27 sits 18th. So, tie, currently tied with Watford, but Watford has a better goal difference. There's a three-way tie West Ham sits at 16th with 27 points, but again, they have a better goal differential. Brighton has 29 points, sits 15th. So it'll be a race to see who goes down in the Premier League. A lot of people said South Sheffield United would be destined for the drop. Nope. They currently sit 7th. They ain't going down unless something catastrophic happens and they go down, but I don't, I don't really see it happening. And then our final league, Serie A. Right now, Juventus sit atop the league with 63 points, and Lazio sit second with 62 points. Lazio have a better goal differential than Juventus this year, plus 37 to Juventus is plus 26. But that one point lead is key. They have one. Juventus has one more win than Lazio, which is currently keeping them at top of the league. Inter sits third with 54, and Atalanta sits fourth with 48. Roma sits 5th with 45 points, and Napoli sits 6th with 39, with AC Milan sitting 7th with 36 points. At the bottom of the league, Brescia, Spall, and Lecce sit at the bottom of the league. Brescia, 16 points. Spall, 18, and then Lecce, 25. Tie with Genoa, who also have 25, and then Sampdoria has 26. Torino has 27. Udinese is 28. So that battle for 14th, to 18th is intense. You even might want to throw Fiorentina in there sit 30th or sit 13th with 30 points. But their goal differential is vastly superior to the other teams below them, so I don't think they're going down. But that's going to be an intense battle between those teams. Brescia 
are going to be losing Tonali this, this season. It looks like he's destined to go to Juventus, be a new holding midfielder for them. Because Juventus just picks every single player from Italy, picks their best team players and takes them somewhere else. Yet Paulo Dybala from, crap, what was that team's name? I just had it in my head and they lost it. The pink team. I don't remember what they were called, though. Pink and black. Ah! They got Gonzalo Higuain from Napoli, though. They got Wesjak Chesney from Roma. They got all these players from other Syria teams. They just don't care. They just do not give a crap what you think. They're going to take their players. Juan Quadrado from Fiorentina. Merlin Pjanic from Roma. Who else do we got on here? I mean, technically Leonardo Bonucci from AC Milan, but he came from another team before. Um, yeah. It's just a, a Federico Bernadeschi from, oh, where did he come from? I think Fiorentina, but that doesn't sound right. I don't think Fiorentina. I don't, I don't remember where he came from. But right now, Juventus is at the top of the league again with 63 points. Ronaldo, unsurprisingly, is their leading scorer with 21 points this, or 21 goals this season with three assists. But he's not the league leader in goals. No, no, no. That belongs to Shiro Immobile, who has 27 goals and seven assists. Luis Alberto has assisted 12 goals this season. Insane. Four goals he scored himself as well. Sergej Milinkovic-Savic has four assists and four goals as well. Joaquim Correa has seven goals this season as well. And Felipe Casado has eight goals for Lazio. Could they end Juventus's reign of terror and take the Serie A crown? They're in great form right now. So for the people that are tired of seeing Juventus keep on winning Serie A, we are cheering for you, Lazio. I have no beef with Juventus. I have no fandom in Lazio, but I'd just like to see Lazio take the crown. I think that'd be really cool. Currently in the Serie A top scores, it's Chiro Immobile with 27 goals, Ronaldo 21, Romelu Lukaku with 17 goals, sits third in the league. And Inter, unsurprisingly, sit third in the league as well with 54 points. They've only lost three games this season have won 16 games, sit at 54 points on the season. They lost their past two games, though. So not great form for Inter Milan, coached by Conte, former Chelsea and Juventus and Italy manager. But right now, uh, Lukaku has 17 goals. Lorato Martinez has 11 goals on the season, making a very nice striker partnership for Inter Milan. Very nice for them. Very good for them. Got Ashley Young over there as well. Chris Smalling's over in Roma, one of the best players for Roma this season, which is kind of surprising. Manchester United have a weird thing of getting rid of the best defender at the wrong time. Like, you got, you're right at getting rid of defenders, but you're choosing the wrong ones. Like, Johnny Evans was the first one. He sold in the West Brom. The wrong defender to sell. This time, it was Chris Smalling and Marcus Rojo. Got rid of those two. You kept Phil Jones. Why? The year, a couple years before, you got rid of Daly Blind who's just a versatile player who can play everywhere, but you let him go to Ajax. Why did you hold on? You lost Johnny Evans. You lost Daily Blind. But then you kept Smalling, Rojo, and Jones throughout those times. Well, not Rojo during the Johnny Evans time, but Smalling and Phil Jones were definitely there. But you got, you got rid of the two best defenders and kept the worst ones gradually going on. 
Johnny Evans was the best, got rid of him. At the time, Daly Blind was the best, got rid of him. And at this point, Chris Smalling and Marcus Rowe just got phased out because of Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. So they were just gone. But keeping Phil Jones, I don't know if that was the smartest decision we've ever made. I'm tired of seeing Phil Jones play. Send him to Roma so they can have a partnership of Phil Jones and Chris Smalling. That'd be beautiful to see. But that's all we've got for the Serie A right now. All those leagues. Again, La Liga will take place June 11th. Premier League June 17th. And Serie A on June 20th. Can Lazio beat Juventus? Only time will tell. And for that June 20th day, we have Torino versus Parma. And Verona versus Cagliari. And on June 21st, we have Atalanta versus Sassuolo. And Inter versus Sampdoria. Then moving on to Monday, June 22nd. We have a lot of games back to back to back, so get ready for this. Fiorentina versus Brescia. Lecce versus AC Milan. Bologna versus Juventus. Then we have Spal versus Cagliari. Verona versus Napoli. Torino versus Udinese. And Genoa versus Parma. And on the 24th, Inter versus Suelo, Roma versus Sampdoria, Atalanta versus Lazio, 26th, Juventus versus Lecce, 27th, Brescia versus Genoa, Cagliari versus Torino, Lazio versus Fiorentina, 28th, AC Milan versus Roma, Napoli versus Spal, Sampdoria versus Bologna, Suelo versus Verona, Udinese versus Atalanta, Parma versus Inter. Oh my god. Okay, so those are all your games for Serie A. Let's take a quick break. I need to get a refill on my water. Come on, now my throat hurts. So let's take a quick break. We will be back shortly. See you in a little bit. All right, everybody. Welcome to the last half hour of this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Now, we are liable to go over half hours. Most of the shows I've done recently have been going over the two-hour mark, which is kind of cool and kind of bad at the same time. Because, one, it's cool that I could talk for two hours straight, and the breaks are two seconds, so it's literally me talking for two straight hours, but also it's kind of sad because I'm talking by myself for two hours. It's not even like I'm sitting here talking to a crowd, like a live audience or something. Like uh, the 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 things you get with KULT when I have the show up there, 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. I have commercials. I could, I'm talking to a live audience. When I'm doing this, I'm talking to me, myself, and I. Go! Like that. That banger from the NBA Street games. NBA Street had some sick bangers. That's, oof. NBA Street. A game that needs to come back. NBA Street. I think everybody can agree on that. Just the street games in general. FIFA Street, NFL Street. Like, all the street games need to make a comeback. Need to. It's an absolute must that those games make the comeback. Because they need to. They were just so awesome. I was dominant in all of them, too, which makes it even better for me. Anyways, that how dominant I was at that made it even that much more fun. Because games are always way more fun when you're super dominant at something. That's how I was at FIFA Street. But you know what? I loved all of the games. I love all of them. I was the best at FIFA Street, and then I would say NBA Street was second best because I actually owned that. I never owned a FIFA Street. Surprisingly, I would go over to a friend's house all the time and just wreck at that game. I just dominated that game. But I had multiple NBA Street games, so I was very good at that one as well. NFL Street, I was kind of good at, but I didn't play it as much as NBA Street and FIFA Street. So I was kind of all right with them. 
at them, but you know what? We were dominant. That's all that really matters. So let's get into, we were talking about NFL Street. Let's get into some NFL news. So Antonio Brown recently kicked out of the NFL pretty much, exiled from the NFL for all of the stuff that he's done leading up just basically all 2019. 2019 was a weird year for Antonio Brown. And so here, we'll just go through the timeline of Antonio Brown real quick. So Antonio Brown's with the Steelers. Has Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and has a very good number two wide receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. Arguably the best offensive line in the NFL as well. So his quarterback has time to get him the ball. One of the best, one of the most record-setting wide receivers in NFL history, Antonio Brown. It was always Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. Which one's the best? 1A and 1B. Nobody knew who was the best. It was constant arguments. There's a steep drop-off between those two at that time. So Antonio Brown's now ready to leave. Le'Veon Bell sits out a full season, and he's ready to leave as well. So slowly, the drama for the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room is fading out. Le'Veon Bell has announced that he's not coming back and actually signed for less money with the New York Jets than he would have with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Antonio Brown gets traded to the Buffalo Bills for about three hours. And then (laughs) he is no longer a part of the Bills, took to Instagram, and just roasted the Bills. Didn't want to come to Buffalo. And then he gets traded to Oakland. And that looked like it was the deal that they that he wanted because he had a good relationship with Derek Carr dating back to multiple to a Pro Bowl. They had a good chemistry when they were at the Pro Bowl. First time there, Derek Carr comes over to his house, greets him, says what's up. Typical greeting. And then we're going, and you could tell things were starting to get weird when he showed up to his first practice in a hot air balloon. That's when things got kind of weird. And then the helmet drama. Actually, before the helmet drama, the foot, uh, the frostbite on the feet, which another, multiple things. The helmet thing was weird as well. It was an outdated helmet. And he just would not get over the fact that he could not wear that helmet. And it's just all going around and he's like, he's trying to get cut, essentially. Cussing out Mike Mayock, getting in fights with everybody. So it's like he's trying to get out because he knew the Steelers wouldn't trade him to the Patriots. So he eventually gets cut, loses millions of dollars, and then goes signs with the New England Patriots. Plays one game against the Miami Dolphins, scores a touchdown, looks weird in the Patriots. Of course, he's not wearing 84, he's wearing number 17. It's a weird number for Antonio Brown. I don't know why, but you're so used to him being 84 and you see him in 17, it just looks weird. And then the next week he's cut. Because of, I think, his sexual assault allegations. Or assault allegations. I can't remember exactly what it was. He gets cut. Then he takes to Twitter, goes over all these things that all these other people have done, which just screams innocence, in my mind. Even goes after Robert Kraft, the New England Patriots owner. And then you start apologizing, go, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, come, please take me back. And then now, you're stuck in a situation where Surprise, surprise, nobody wants you on their team. Which is very heartbreaking because Antonio Brown is a top five wide receiver when healthy and when playing. But you're such a cancer to locker rooms, nobody wants to sign you. Same thing with Josh Gordon. Easily, when he's on his day, a top ten wide receiver. 
And there's a lot of other things with Josh Gordon. He's not the same person that Antonio Brown is. So to my knowledge, Josh Gordon's never caused problems in the locker room, but that's that's just what I'm... Maybe I'm, mis, I'm misremembering something, but talented guys, but they just don't want them in the league because of their the things they bring to locker rooms. And it's sad. So Deion Sanders was out with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was working out with Lamar Jackson, I believe, a few weeks ago. And then you have a Russell Wilson reportedly wanting Antonio Brown. I doubt there's not a team that doesn't want Antonio Brown. Tom Brady wants Antonio Brown in Tampa is what I'm hearing. Imagine that receiving core. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, so already the best receiving duo in the NFL. And then you throw in Antonio Brown with Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard and Tom frickin' Brady. Jeez. The NFC is tough already. NFC is frickin' insanely tough this year. And the Bucks are going to be challenging this year, which is going to be weird to see. They haven't challenged for anything since I think they lost in the playoffs to the Giants with Jeff Garcia, I think, was the quarterback. When the Giants went on to win one of their Super Bowls. This is the last time they were even semi-relevant. Obviously won a Super Bowl in the early 2000s against the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden's former team and current team now. But where will Antonio Brown end up? My guess, it's between the Buccaneers, then the Ravens, because he doesn't like the Steelers, and he's got his cousin on the team, and he's worked out with Lamar Jackson. The Seahawks, I could see them getting him. Um, I think those are the three. Maybe there's one more I'm missing, but I think those are the three. Maybe the Miami Dolphins. I think he's from Miami, so... There's four teams I think could be there. Maybe I miscounted. Maybe I only said three, but I don't. I don't remember. Bucks, Seahawks, Ravens, Dolphins. Okay, four. I think those could be the teams. I think Jerry Jones could sign them too. So Cowboys five, but they invested a crap ton of money in Amari Cooper, and they're in a current battle with Dak Prescott. So I don't know what they're going to be doing there. And speaking on that, that was actually going to be the next talking point, anyways. Good transition, Logan. Good job. Hi- Give yourself a round of a chest, a round of chest applause, I guess. Dak Prescott, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, wants to get paid Russell Wilson style money. Cowboys offered him contracts left, right, and center. He has to know he's not the same level of quarterback as Russell Wilson, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He has to. He, there's no way he. He has to know. It's not saying Dak's a bad quarterback. He's not. He's a solid quarterback, but he is not worth Russell Wilson-style money. He is nowhere as good as Russell Wilson on any planet at any time period. Russell Wilson is a way better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott does not deserve that much money. I think he deserves to get paid. He's a definite starter. I don't think anybody's challenging that, but... To get paid that much and to keep turning it down, it tells me one thing, or two things. One, he's very stupid and actually, in his mind, believes he is as good as Russell Wilson. Or two, he does not want to play for the Dallas Cowboys anymore. And one of my predictions here, this could be way off because they got a couple quarterbacks already, but the New Orleans Saints, dude's from Louisiana, 
That's my only connection. <laughs> That's my only connection I have between him and the New Orleans Saints is he's from Louisiana. I could see him going there because Jameis Winston's only on a one-year deal. I think Dak's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. So you got that in there. And then do we really buy into the Taysom Hill hype? I don't know. Taysom Hill is, is going to be 30 when the season comes around. How long do you entrust him to be the starting quarterback? I think he's a good situation quarterback. I don't think he's a good franchise quarterback. I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he's a, a very, very good football player. Notice how I did not say quarterback. I said very good football player. He's a very good football player. One of the best all-around football players, I would say, in the league. But he's going to be 30 in August. He has a history of injuries. He has less passing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson. I know he hasn't been injured in the NFL, but that's what basically ended his college career. Due to all the talent in the world, he played freaking five years at BYU and played every game twice. He played six games in the span of two years. In his two years as a starting quarterback for BYU, again, he was a very good football player. Quarterback, he was iffy. His sophomore year, 19 touchdowns, 14 picks, 2,900 yards. 53% completion percentage. His last year at BYU, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 59% completion percentage with 2,300 passing yards. Is he really the guy we're going to staple our franchise to? Because I don't think Jameis is either. That's why I think Dak could come in and be the Saints guy. So comparing the two, let's just compare them. I got to pull up Dak Prescott's um, information, I guess. Dak Prescott is going to be 27 in July. Taysom is going to be 30 in August. Dak Prescott was second in the league in passing yards last year and has thrown for a grand total of 15,000 yards, 97 touchdowns, and only 36 interceptions. Through 30 touchdowns last year's career high, he's never missed a game through injury. He's played every single game in the NFL, started all 16 games. He's played four years, he started all 64 games. He has a record of 40-24 and 24 as a starter. He has a completion percentage of basically 66%. He has 21 rushing touchdowns to his name. He's had six in his first three years, had four last year because he became more of a pure passer. Last year, as you saw, career highs in completions, attempts, yards, yards per attempt, and touchdowns. So he's trying to be more of a passer. Taysom Hill has a grand total of 119 yards, has completed 46% of his passes, one interception, no touchdowns, but has 352 yards rushing with three touchdowns in his career. He also had six receiving touchdowns. All came from last year. Again, LaDainian Tomlinson, who I love, is my favorite quarterback or favorite running back, favorite football player of all time, has more passing yards than Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is a fantastic football player. I think he's one of the best pure football players in the NFL. I think he is. I think I'm being honest in that. But when people compare him to Lamar Jackson, those guys need to shut up. 
Because when Joe, I've said this on the show before, when Joe Flacco got hurt, Lamar Jackson went in. Not Robert Griffin III, Joe, uh, Lamar Jackson. So they had RG3, but Joe Flacco got hurt, Lamar went in. Not RG3. Drew Brees gets hurt last year. Who goes in? Pretty much the same situation as the Baltimore Ravens before. Teddy Bridgewater goes in at quarterback, not Taysom Hill. Teddy Bridgewater goes undefeated as a starter for the New Orleans Saints and signs a nice little deal with the Carolina Panthers. Taysom Hill did not start a game at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. He has started nine games in his career, none of those at quarterback to my knowledge. I said the Saints should draft a quarterback this year, but they're going with the, we have, our, this is our last window to win with Drew Brees, literally, because he's retiring at the end of the season. He's already signed his deal with NBC. I think it's it's NBC. So I thought they would go after quarterback, but they're like, nah, we have one more season with Brees. Let's do this. Taysom Hill, I've said this again, I'll say it 5,000 more times, is a great football player. Tim Tebow, that was actually smart as well. I'll call Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill did not go with the I only want to play quarterback thing and has carved out a great career so far. He's one of the first names on the Saints team sheet when they saw in the games. He's playing all of the time. Tim Tebow was dead set on being a quarterback and that saw him switch over to baseball. He played on the punt unit one time, I think, and then that was it because he was so dead set on being a quarterback. Taysom Hill's like, I'll play wherever. His nickname is literally the Human Swiss Army Knife. That's his nickname. Great football player. Future quarterback, future of your organization? No, I do not think that. I think Dak Prescott could be because unless he really thinks he deserves that much money, I think he wants out. It's just what my thing is, what I'm feeling right now. If I'm feeling his energy, it looks like he wants to get out of Dallas. Which I don't know why. they got very talented players all around him. But to be, in, in that defense, New Orleans Saints have just as talented, if not more talented players. Yeah, you have Michael Tom. You have uh, Amari Cooper. I'll raise you Michael Thomas. You have, who's their tight end? Whoever their tight end is, I'll raise you Jared Cooks. You have Lyle Collins, I'll raise you Ryan Ramchick. Now, you can take Zeke, I'll take Alvin Kamara. But there's a lot more potential with that Saints team. And I think Dak is looking at that and going, man, this is just, this is all speculation. I don't know if this is, this is not anything I've read. I don't think anybody's said this is happening. But I want to get it out there because if it does happen, I'm going to play this over and over again and go, ha, I told you. But if it doesn't, I'm going to hide this thing and just go like, yeah, I never said that. I knew he'd stay in Dallas forever. I knew he'd be a, uh, a forever cowboy, a cowboy for life. I won't do that. But this is what the feeling is. I just don't know if he's going to, if he's dead, dead set on being a cowboy. And the Saints would pay him because I don't think Jameis is their guy. I, I have conflicting feelings on the Taysom Hill experiment if that does end up happening. But if Dak signs a contract, it will be a very big contract. I don't think it should be as high as Russell Wilson's, but it's going to be high. Because he he has his haters. He's still a very talented quarterback, nonetheless. 
So we'll have to wait and see what Dak does and where he signs, if he signs with the Dallas or whatever. I'll post a poll a little bit on, on Twitter a little bit later. So we'll have that whole conversation in a little bit. Will Dak sign with the Cowboys or where will he sign? If he signs somewhere else, where will he go? Time will tell. Time will tell. And right now, I saw this yesterday. There was a quarterback that I thought was going to sit for an entire year. I thought he was going to be sitting an entire year, get his red shirt year under him. He's even said, this is good for him. And now it seems like he's guaranteed a lock to be the starter week one. And that is Tua Tagovailoa, who I think has all the talent in the world. One of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. Left-handed quarterback goes, he's got some of the most talent I've ever seen out of left-handed quarterbacks. There's only really two that stick out with legendary left-handed quarterbacks. Steve Young's the greatest, and then Michael Vick's right behind him. Tua's very similar to Steve Young. Very similar. Very accurate. Mobile, but not overly mobile. Left-handed. <laughs> Adds a good arm. Steve Young had all of that. I love Steve Young. I had backyard football for the computer on my Windows 96 computer that we had up until... Re- Actually, we still have it. It's just not set up anywhere. Steve Young was awesome. And that's how Steve- that's how Tua Tagovailoa is. And if he goes in the season as the Week 1 starter... I don't think it's as huge of a deal as it would be if he went into this situation last year. Because he went into this year going like, okay, yeah, we're going to tank for Tua. They are a much improved team than what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to deal with last year or this past season. Much better team. It's not even really close to how much better they are. But I still think it would be best served. Now, if he's fully healthy... If his hips and ankles don't concern you, then go ahead. Start him week one. Because there's no world that if he's fully healthy, Ryan Fitzpatrick should be starting over him. In no world should that be happening. But my thing is, I would have just had him sit for a year just to get acclimated, acclimated to the NFL. And even if he does, if Fitzpatrick gets hurt or something, Rosen can go in. So we can have a full red shirt year and just let Tua get fully healthy. But I understand if he's fully healthy, if you believe he's fully healthy, throw him in there. Because he is a thousand times the player Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And the best me- the best way to learn something is get thrown right in the middle of the fire. So that's what the Dolphins are doing here. Right now, the Dolphins, according to everybody, have the third hardest schedule as regards the strength of schedule. Combined record from last year, they have 135-120-1 and one record which is a 52.9% win percentage, which is currently, as I've already said, third toughest schedule in the league. I think the Patriots sit first, the Jets sit second, and the Bills are fifth, I think, if I remember right. But they're going to, he's going to be tested. But that being said, if this was the team that he, if he inherited the exact same team, a carbon copy of the team that he, that the Dolphins were a year ago, I would never let him see the field. He would die in Miami if they had the same team last year. Thankfully, for Dolphins fans' sakes, unthankfully for everybody else, because I hate the Dolphins, they got better. You look at what happened last year and how bad they were and what they did to completely dismantle this roster. They let Juwan James go in free agency to Denver. They traded Laramie Tunsil to the Houston Texans and Kenny Stills. So now you're without your number two wide receiver and your starting left tackle. You traded away Kenyon Drake 
to the Arizona Cardinals, middle of the season. You had a running back get arrested in Keelan Ballage. Kalen Ballage, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Yeah, Xavier Howard get hurt last year. So you had your number one corner out, your two starting tackles from the season before out. Now your two starting running backs out. So who led the Dolphins in rushing? Ryan Fitzpatrick with 232 yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Dolphins quarterbacks in general got sacked 58 times, which was the joint most in the league tied with the Carolina Panthers, I believe, if I remember right. Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing while still going, getting sacked 40 times. 40 times he got sacked alone while leading the team in rushing. That's impressive. That's impressive stuff. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the toughest SOBs in the NFL. He's the worst quarterback you get for a tank. Thankfully for the Dolphins, their tank was not broken because Tua was hurt. So there was no chance he was going number one. So thank you to Tua for Dolphins fans for getting hurt because without you, the Dolphins might have just screwed that entire thing up. So yeah, the Dolphins went from... They gave up 58 sacks last year. That's on offense. And then on defense, they gave up 6,364 yards, which is the third worst. 397.8 yards per game. Gave up 494 points, which was the worst in the league. Giving up 30.9 points per game. That's not good. And they still managed to win five games. So what can they do with a vastly improved roster? Devontae Parker in his first actual good year in the NFL. Because his first couple years in the league, he didn't really do anything spectacular. He had a career-high 744 yards in his second year in the league. Other than that, he had 670 yards his third year, 494 his first year, and 309 in his last year. He had a grand total of nine touchdowns through his first four seasons in the league. In his fifth season in the league, he started his career-high 14 games, got targeted more than any season ever by far, and got 1,200 receiving yards with nine touchdowns. So in his first four years together, he had nine touchdowns. He had nine in one season in 2019. Crazy stuff. So he'll be coming back. So now in his second year as the full-time number one guy, expect his numbers to go up again. Mike Gusecki, Gusecki is the best tight end in the AFC East. Now that Gronk's gone, he's the best tight end in the AFC East. Very talented, nice security blanket for the Miami Dolphins. They drafted Christian Wilkins last year. So his second year, he'll be back in there, which is very good for them. The Dolphins were a terrible team last year. Now, if you look at what they did this year to help improve those things that were struggling last year, they drafted a quarterback to attack Avola, be the future of the franchise. Got sacked 58 times between their quarterbacks. They got Austin Jackson, a very athletic and young offensive tackle. They gave up a ton of yards on defense. They dra- they drafted Noah Igbenogane, the corner from Auburn. And you also signed Byron Jones, the most expensive cornerback in NFL history, to pair along with Xavier Howard. Hopefully Xavier Howard, one, doesn't get hurt, and two, doesn't get suspended for his um, domestic violence thing a few, few months back. Also, with giving up 58 sacks, you get Robert Hunt, an offensive guard from Louisiana. Awesome. Raekwon Davis, a nose tackle to partner with the big hog molly in the middle, Christian Wilkins already, former unit of the week winner. 
oh man, we still gave up a lot of yards on on defense. Brandon Jones, free safety from Texas. Let's keep improving the offensive line. Solomon Kidney, kindly, I think is his name, from Georgia. Keep improving the defense. Jason Stobridge, Curtis Weaver from Boise State, a steal in the sixth in the fifth round. In my opinion, two defensive ends there. Blake Ferguson, long snapper, get that sort out. And Malcolm Perry, a talented quarterback, but we'll switch to running back or wide receiver in the NFL. And then who do you go out and get in free agency? You get Jordan Howard, a very physical runner. And then you go out and trade for Matt Breida to be your number one back. So look at all the things. They got Shaq Lawson. They got Kyle Van Noy in free agency. Like, look at what they did. This team is going to be much improved from what they were the season before. You would expect. I'm not saying they'll push for the playoffs. I think they'll be improved. I'm saying around seven wins for this team. I think Brian Flores is a great coach. I think he's a very, very, very good coach. And you saw what they did with little to no talent on their roster. They still won five games, which is a testament to the culture that Brian Flores has built and the willingness of the players to not suck on purpose. They did everything in their power to win, and they they won games. Impressive stuff. Tua, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, great additions on offense. Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt improved the offensive line. Brilliant stuff. Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Shaq Lawson, already all there. Kyle Van Noemick, Curtis Weaver, great draft pick there again. Byron Jones, the big free agent target you guys needed. You got him. Corner from Dallas to pair with Noah Igabinagane and Xavier Howard. Dolphins be sneaky this year. Dolphins are a vastly improved team. Now, their schedule, again, third hardest in the league, so it's not going to be easy to overcome that. But three reasons I believe they'll improve. Brian Flores is a really good coach, much improved defensively and on the offensive line, and three, they actually have a rushing attack. Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua, whoever starts, will not or should not lead the team in rushing again. The fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing last year is a testament to how bad their rushing attack was a season ago. That's atrocious that Ryan Fitzpatrick was even close to leading a team in rushing yards while also getting sacked 40 times. Man. Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So the Dolphins, Dolphins fans, the future is looking semi-bright. Right now, it's still... It's still a little, like a year or two years away, I would say, before you're actually competing for playoff spots. With the extra playoff spot, you can sneak into that seventh spot. But right now, you just sit there, finish seven and nine or whatever, because I'm pretty much dead set on the Bills winning the division. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think anything's going to change my mind off that. Bills have too much talent on defense and have improved immensely on offense to not win that division. But the Dolphins, give it two years. They could be pushing up there as well. I'm not saying winning division titles, but pushing the Bills a little bit so we could get back to those rivalries we had in the 90s between Dan Marino and Jim Kelly, the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. And the Jets, maybe, they're back to those ugly green uniforms they had in the 90s that we said on Friday, the last the lost decade for the Jets. They went back to those uniforms. So we'll see how they do with those ones, but 
Jets are improved too. So everybody, let's just see how we do going into the season, and let's just hope and pray that Aaron Rodgers does not end up in New England. Because apparently Jordan loves a lock to see playing time this year. So you never know. You never know. And I get that before we end the show today, I want to get this out. Uh, I saw this on Twitter. Who will win more games this year? So the past three number one overall picks have all been quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield in 2018, Kyler Murray last year, and then Joe Burrow this year. Who will win more games between the pairs? So I went up and did some research on this. The Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow have the 27th hardest schedule. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals tied for 8th in the hardest schedule department. And then Baker Mayfield in the Browns sit 29th in hardest schedule. The Browns are in a division with the Bengals, obviously, and the Ravens and the Steelers. Steelers, very good defensively. Should be much improved on offense now they got Big Ben back. The Ravens, reigning, team, reigning best record in the league, 14-2, and and they have the easiest schedule in the league. So they'll be up there again. Reigning unanimous MVP, Lamar Jackson's back. They got improved as well. So I don't think it'll be Joe Burrow. I think it's a push between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray got DeAndre Hopkins, got Josh Jones in the draft to help protect him on the offensive line. Kenyon Drake's going to be there full-time as the number one back. You got Isaiah Simmons in the draft to protect, help Chandler Jones on the edge on the defense. Still got Patrick Peterson there, but I think the Browns and Baker Mayfield just did too much to have a worse record than the Cardinals this year. You got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are back. Hopefully, you realize that you guys should be a power run team with Nick Chubb, and I hope Kevin Stefanski does that because he's coming from the Vikings, where she was the offensive coordinator for, and they did that with Dalvin Cook with the same thing. Two very talented wide receivers and a beast at running back. They vastly improved the O-line with Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills, getting him in the 10th pick. You got Austin Hooper from Atlanta and free agency to pair with David Njoku, and Baker Mayfield's back. Hopefully back to his normal self because he had a very bad year last year. And then on defense, Miles Garrett will be back. Denzel Ward will be there. The Browns, you got Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams will be in his second year. Browns should be good. I'm expecting at least a 10-win season from the Browns. I say Cardinals top off at 9 because they still got to deal with the Seahawks and 49ers. They're two tough teams. And the Rams, I think, are on the decline, but I think are still decently talented to push the Cardinals. I think eight or nine wins for the Cardinals is what they have. I think their defense still needs to improve. Their offense is very good, or looks on paper to be very good. They never played together yet, but defense needs work. I think the Browns are more complete than the other two quarterbacks and these teams that we've talked about a little bit. So I'm going Baker Mayfield out of these three quarterbacks to win the most games and reign supreme as this year's number one quarterback for regards to wins. We'll see how he does statistically, but I think the Browns will have the most wins out of those three teams. So with that being said, let's end it here on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all have a great day, great life, great year, great week, great month, whatever. Hope you have a great day. We will see the light at the end of the tunnel coming up soon. I promise you that. And with that being said, I'm signing off. I'll see you later. Peace.